Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Untucked. Today we're going to talk about Roth conversions. We are going to discuss Liv, the PGA Tour um, competitor, and we are also going to talk about sports gambling. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own, and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 68 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. This is Jeff. Who's it's, doing our fun fact this week? Jeff's got well, it. I have <laughs> one, but I'm sure Mike has a no, better no. one because that's like his, his new thing now. Do you guys know that raindrops are not like tear shaped? They're like more like hamburger buns. A full bun or just a half a bun? Like a half a bun. Like the top or the bottom? Like the top. Okay, so like a little dome. Yeah. Hmm. Like they're flat at the bottom and like kind of domed. Are they like snowflakes? Not every raindrop is different. That's a great question, man. <laughs> I didn't do that kind of research. I know smaller, like the, the, the smaller the raindrop is, the more spherical it is. And the larger it is, the more like hamburger bun. But they're not teardrops. Never. Ever, never, never ever. They're, they're never a teardrop. I wonder where that, like, interpretation of them came from. Just someone drawing them, and we Maybe all just like from tears. Do tears kind of look like a, 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 like a droplet, like when they're rolling down your cheek? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't you know have a better? Like, no, no. I'm I, just someone maybe drew it that way before there were scientists actually curious about what the shape of raindrops were. And then we just kind of hung on to that. I think your average size raindrop takes like two minutes to fall from like a cloud, hmm. like 2,500 feet, about two minutes to get down. If it's a larger raindrop or a smaller, Wait, which one would it be? Larger. It could take like seven minutes. It's a long time. I would think it would come down faster. I, I, I don't know. Speechless, right? <laughs> Speechless. What do you got, Mike? There's probably a bit of a parachute effect. Probably. A, you know, right? It's not like a, you know, you're, it's not a marble that's just falling at. It's true. Know, whatever the, what's the equation for? Velocity? Yeah. Uh. Oh no! Good wow. fun fact. Yeah, fun okay. fact. cool. Um, you want to start with fightings? Tough night last night. Opened up a series against the Braves at home. Lost five three. Yeah, Wheeler, our ace, was on the mound. Gave up uh, two home runs in the in the first inning, like top of the first. Yikes! Fightings came back, scored a run in the bottom of the first. So it was a good game that way, but. Uh, they just couldn't close it out. Yeah, they were down a run, going in the top of the ninth, gave up a run in the top of the ninth, and then just couldn't put it together in the bottom. They missing Harper. I mean, dude, he was like the MVP last year and was having another MVP season this year. It's a killer. You think that was a deliberate? Um... No. No? Did you? Yeah. Felt like I was throwing at him? Yes. He was pissed. I don't know if it was more pissed that he, he was got pissed hit because he knew he broke his. Yeah, he, he, I mean that's how I. I mean he was yelling at the dude who threw it. Yeah, but I think it was more anger that he was hurt and he knew he was hurt and he knew he was out. It's his first injury, first broken bone for him. Like as far as like a broken bone injury, 
I think it was intentional. If you, that's you tell a, me a pitcher at, the, at that level has that little control. I think it can get away from them every now and then, sure. And I think, and this this is going to tie into something that we're like the, our next team. Um, I think intentionally trying to hurt another player is just like you should be. There should be like harder sanctions for that in sports. I was listening to Tortorella get interviewed when he got hired by the by the Flyers, and um, they asked him about something that happened, and he went off about how one of his players got like intentionally like run into and and, and taken out of a game, and he just he lost his mind on the dude who did it. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Like I just like that. Like if this guy was specifically throwing a baseball at another human. At 95 miles an hour, like you can kill him. Like there should absolutely, like there should be like much harder. Like there's nothing. (laughs) I mean, because it's hard to tell that it's hard to know that it was intentional, right? I mean, you don't know someone's gonna take you into the boards like intentionally trying to hurt you. I mean, if they take their stick and whack it across your face, I mean, obviously that was intentional. That's happened in the past. They don't. They they don't specify injuries. It's it's like lower body or upper body. That's it. Mostly for that reason, because if if they're like, oh, he's got a you know an ankle issue, then the ankle's going to get targeted, right? You know, I think that's mainly why they do that. But there were a couple instances in hockey where guys took their sticks and like tomahawked someone else in the head. Yeah. What What was the penalty for that? Like a few game suspension? No, not no, even. Way more than that. Oh, really? You, you hit. You do that. You're. It's twenty games 20 or a games. season or yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So I wonder why baseball doesn't have like, like the where the ump says, I think that was intentional. You know, you got seven games. I think it's self policing in baseball because the bench is clear and then there's a there's a. A fight, right? Well, in self self policing in baseball is the the next inning. Yeah, our right. pitcher throws back. at right. some other random guy, dude, which it makes no sense because pitchers don't bat anymore. Yeah, we, which is a whole nother. I mean, it's a crazy topic. concept. Like, just throw at somebody else. I mean, there, haven't there been plays in bait like when the guy's gotten ejected immediately? Yeah. So that uh, that's some sort of someone's deeming that something. Also, these guys step up to the plate these days in a suit of armor. Yeah, that's so it's true. A big deal. Yeah, I mean, you take wouldn't a, you? <laughs> dude, you take a ninety-five mile an hour fastball off your helmet. That really hurts, dude. You're talking concussion. At so least. for how long's baseball been played? A hundred. I mean, years. when friggin' what's his face was throwing sixty miles Bob an Gibson. hour, right? <laughs> Give me a Bob Gibson fastball off the. Off the kneecap. <laughs> so Phil's, I mean, still in it. Uh, it would have been nice to take Game One from the Braves. Um, they got to keep winning series. They got to get two out of two out of three. Uh, but I think they're like three or four games above five hundred. So they stay there. They stay five, six, seven games above five hundred. They're they're in the playoffs, and anything can happen. Bryce is going to be back. They're saying end of August. Yeah. So that's crazy. Surgery, broken thumb. I'll see you in like six to eight weeks. Can we talk about uh, Nikita Kucherov? Surgery, broken thumb, was back in nine days in the Stanley Cup playoffs. How fact, I, how we're fact, talking about the difference between... Different breed. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, literally, they were saying after the whole thing was Which over... Which hand? 
his left top right. hand. His top his, hand. Yeah. So like his you don't right, even do anything. Right. You don't even do anything with oh. your top hand. And you can. You That's could, actually worse, by the way. <laughs> but he. he uh, it probably wasn't. They're saying idea. he should have been out for like easily six weeks or whatever it was, and he's back in nine days. That's it's insane. insane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming there's a screw loose in that situation. No, it's just it just speaks to how dedicated these guys are to winning. And yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You would agree that swinging a baseball bat to hit a ball that's thrown at you is a little more intense than holding a hockey stick, right? Is that what you do? You just hold a hockey stick for sixty no, minutes? No, I know you don't just hold it. I know you take shots. I know you pass. I know you're oh, you're using it to like maneuver around the ice. But like, right, and I nobody mean, and nobody's trying to. Like, no, I understand take it. that, but you have to grip the bat pretty firmly and like. You don't think it's I, a little different? We'll we'll have a little experiment. We'll go in your driveway. I'll break your thumb on your, your lefty. So on your it'll be your right. I'm thumb. a righty, dude. No, you shoot this lefty. escalated oh, shoot lefty. very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see how how well you can shoot a, a street hockey ball. Either. I'm just saying. I think at today's level, in the in the pros, they can probably like do the surgery nine days later, manipulate that, and 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 probably splint it and wrap it. In, in a way where he's going to be able to play. Like, he'll be able to play. He's probably, obviously, not 100%. He's not going to be as effective as he would be. I don't think it's possible nine days later to get a baseball player to be able to grip a bat and actually swing it and be effective. I'm not arguing that. I mean, that was That was my only point. But you, you got to agree that there's been an in, incredible amount of silliness of, uh, on baseball players going on the DL for stuff that's absolutely pathetic, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'll look enough. it up for next yeah, pod. Please, please do. Bring bring that fun fact <laughs> with yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, do we have any? I mean, any other sports stuff? I mean, Flyers. How do you? What do you think of the the coach hire? Oh, they hired someone. Yeah, John Tortorella, who's you know one of the biggest characters in the game oh, as, a co- as a coach. He's relentlessly um, brutally honest and and combative with the media. He has his players back like no other coach as long as you play in the right way. Like if you're a – and I'm, I'm, I am very uh, interested to see who he calls out once the season starts, like guys who you probably are like, wow, healthy scratch, uh, you know, Travis Konechny or someone who, you know, never got benched or whatever, and, and all of a sudden Tortorella is going to be a guy who, like, doesn't like the way you're kind of mailing it in that, that night or in practice. He's, he's – I think he's going to be good. He's not – Obviously, their issues are far beyond just a coach, but um, I, I'm I, I like it. I think it's great, I like dude. It. I think it's the perfect match. I think it's a perfect match for this city. This city loves. He's all about culture. Yeah, like, we have to have the right culture, and this culture is, you know, and he's he's a guy who's he's coached the Rangers, Tampa. He's won a cup. He's he's been at Columbus. He's been around a long time, and he actually said, I think, in his thing, he's like, I always wanted to coach in Philly. Yeah, because he, he's a like it's a good match. To your I point. think it's a great match. I yeah. think it's a great match from the fans' perspective. They're gonna love this guy because of everything you just said. He's feisty. He's got a ton of fire. He wants you to play hard, and if you don't play hard, he's gonna call you out. And I think it's gonna be a good match with the media. The media loves honesty, and they're and I don't think they'll beat him up too much because he's gonna. Call them out when they're being idiots, and he's going to answer their questions when they ask good questions. Yeah, I think it's a perfect match. Flyers like um, 
beat writers, I'll call them just for, for lack yeah. of a better word, are I think are generally pretty good. Like there's other okay. cities that have complete DBs yeah. in Toronto, uh, in New York and stuff. And I think, I think generally they're going to have a pretty good cool. rapport. That's good. Yeah. Um, the other, only other thing that's funny is that I saw a couple of like tweets from uh, former uh, players that used to play for him you know, doing like the, the prayer emoji, like prayers for the flyer players or like playing for this guy. <laughs> the, the funny thing is though, you, you, you see these, the, the players that clearly hated him yeah, are soft. They didn't, they didn't play the right way. And then other guys I've heard talk about him. They're like Cam Atkinson, for example, like loves them. And so there's the, the guys who like playing for him are the, are the right players. So it's sort of, it makes sense. Yeah. You know? I'm interested to see how yeah. it goes. Jojo, up for an ESPY? Is he? Yeah, I thought you would knew this. I think you, I, I thought you would could this. not care less about the ESPYs. Okay, just, I know <laughs> what's you, the SB you're, for? You're in love with Joel. I, <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, yeah, so I, I didn't. I didn't do me. any more research than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess with the Sixers, the draft happened. Now it's free agency, and there's a lot of movement around the league right now. And it's did they sign? I think they signed PJ Tucker, didn't they? It's not official yet. But yeah, everybody's everybody's saying it's basically there. Um, Harden still hasn't inked his less than deal, which I read a take on Twitter yesterday. Maybe it was this morning that was like, I understand that Harden taking less money or, or signing for less time is better for the Sixers organization. But if he opts into his option, they have to clear space by either getting rid of Tobias or probably some combination of like Shake, uh, Matisse, and Furkan. I'm, I'm fine with all of uh, them. Right. I was like, both of those scenarios are actually better to me. Than... Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, all of that. Too. So initially it was like, yeah, if Harden takes less, they can go get somebody. But I don't know. Getting rid of either of those combinations is like very appealing to it's me. It's super attractive <laughs> Because none of those guys you just mentioned did anything in the playoffs. Tobias wasn't horrible. The other three were irrelevant. When we needed them yes. to step up, yeah. none of them did it. No, I, dude, I've hated Tobias from probably day two. <laughs> do you have a, a strong opinion on the hometown discount as a concept? Or do you do you feel like that should be something that most players should kind of do? Like Brady did, like Tom Brady happens in hockey all the time where – for the sake of trying to build a winning team, I'll take less money than, than I could actually get otherwise. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I think for for somebody like Brady, I, I understand that narrative. James Harden's been here for a half a season. Like, I don't know what he owes anybody. And I'm very much of this camp that, like, go get money. Go get paid. I don't well, care where it that's is. That's going to be a good segue for one of our <laughs> – following topics uh yeah i agree with meg like for it's situational for like yeah. a james harden who this is going to be his second year no no yeah. you don't get a hometown discount i'm gonna i want to get paid for brian dawkins yeah he's been a lifer for who, do, who did you just tom mention? brady yeah like tom brady for, like yeah. yeah of course um but other than that no when you say of course meaning like you should you tom brady or you dawkins yeah. should um willingly accept less money for the if if doing that team. will help your team bring in more players which will give you a yeah. legitimate chance to win a championship yeah. yes if that is not the case then no like if a championship isn't the goal that next season because you took less money then absolutely like why would i 
Okay. No. That's fair. Yeah. Yes, that's all we got on the Sixers for now. Okay. Other than an SB, apparently. Yeah. Uh, anything with the birds? Train camp. About a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, not much on the birds. Um, couple good signings, but we'll see how it all pans out. Yeah. People seem to be excited. I mean, it's they're they're calling it Howie Roseman's like best off season. So on paper they look fantastic. Yeah. But ever since the the year when Vince uh who the heck was it? I forget his name. Young. Was it Vince Young? No, it wasn't Vince Young cuz he was a quarterback. Yeah. I forget his name. He's called a dream team. In, in Oh yeah, 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 I remember. It might have been Vince Young. I, th- I think it was. Yeah. I mean, ever since then, I'm gun shy on like, oh, on paper. Right. Getting too excited. Did they change their logo? They changed their um, font. Meaning that that's like a completely different logo for, which means people who do this kind of thing are going to have to go out and buy new, you know, it's, gear it's or judging by the people or whatever. I've seen at the games no one buys new gear <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the i mean the the emblem is the same like the eagle's still there but apparently and steven's like obsessed with this stuff he said it's in an effort because they're trying to make it like a little more retro because they want to bring back the kelly green don't know if any of that's true. Don't hold me to it. They should just bring back the Kelly Green. Right. Thing. Like, I don't know why the font should yeah. dictate the colors. I think now's a great time to bring back yeah. the Kelly Green because that kind of, like, that style is is more in now than it's yeah. ever been. Yeah. So bring it back. Yeah. I mean, it's about money. I don't know. Change the font this year. Make everybody buy new shit and then change the colors next year. Again, by the amount of finds. Jeff Garcia jerseys I see in the stands. <laughs> you're si- you're sitting at the top of the link. Come down and then you'll see the people who buy the new gear. <laughs> All right. We want to move on to Coach's Corner? Sure. Fight the bear market blues with a Roth IRA conversion. This is from the Wall Street Journal. It was written by Laura Saunders. Um, based on kind of where markets are year to date, we've had this conversation a bit with clients, um, a strategy of converting traditional IRA dollars to Roth IRA dollars. So what we're going to talk about today is why um, this environment maybe brings it up a bit more and why it could possibly make more sense um, in, in a market environment like we're in now. A Roth conversion entails moving assets from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Both accounts allow tax-free growth, but there are key differences. With traditional IRAs, the contributions are often tax-deductible, and withdrawals at 59 and a half or older are fully taxable at ordinary income rates. Um, with Roth IRAs, the contributions are in after-tax dollars, but withdrawals can be tax-free. Uh, in addition, the Roth IRA owners are not subject to required minimum distributions. So the conversion requires you to essentially prepay the tax, right? So we take the money out of a traditional IRA, pay income taxes on it in that calendar year, and then it becomes after-tax money in a Roth IRA that grows tax-free. Yeah, both accounts grow tax-deferred, right? Traditional IRAs, yes. no taxes it grows when you take it out fully income taxable. Yep. Roth IRA, no deduction, tax-free growth. When you take it out, tax-free. Right. I don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't do this. Like why you wouldn't, number one, just convert IRA dollars to a Roth. Regardless. Regardless. Like I don't care 
if you're in the 30% tax bracket because there's no way you're going to be in the 12% tax bracket when you retire. Like that's what everybody like, I don't want to convert while I'm making a lot of money because when I retire, I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket. Mm-hmm. The odds of that happening are very slim. Yeah, agree. And and I think we see it over and over and over again. And I I get it, which is I don't want to pay any more taxes right now than I already do. Mm-hmm. Tough. You can say shit. I already said it once. Tough, dude. Like <laughs> you're going to pay it later and you're going to be so much happier when you have a couple hundred thousand dollars that you don't have to pay tax on when you're 60 or 65. Like, absolutely. I I just, I don't see, I get that you don't want to pay taxes now, but you're, you're probably, if you're spending 150 grand now while you're working, you're going to spend 150 grand when you retire. You're just not going to be in this like lower tax bracket or a need for like less income. I understand like your mortgage will probably be paid off, but guess what? You're going to spend money on your kids. You're going to spend money on your grandkids. You're going to travel with your partner. I mean, you're just going to spend that amount of money, guaranteed. Life's just going to cost more too. I mean, we're talking about considering conversions for, say, a 45-year-old, and then 25 years down the road, they're retired. I mean, just the costs of life, even if you're spending money on different things, that type of time, the amount of money you're going to need is going to be the same. Yeah. So what, what the, the only issue with the Roth conversion is it's a little, it's very easy to do, right? You literally just like take 10 grand out of my IRA, put it in my Roth IRA. It shows up on a 1099 that I owe tax on that, call it two grand. I pay the tax and it's there. But this five-year rule, it gets a little messy. Like if you're doing that every year, let's say for 10 years, you just have to be sure that you're not taking that money out within five years yes yeah i had and, I was, it, and it resets every year like every, every conversion, conversion you do is another five clock. year period so i guess if you're like 40 and you do it over 10 years it's fine because when you're 55 it's all good yeah right yeah i i think it's it's the way it's positioned that's important like we're talking about it right now as a strategy for retirement meaning the 40 or 45 year old being able to take advantage of this which one other caveat, it's the, the, the way that you can get the most dollars into a Roth IRA yep. without any income restrictions, yep. right? So people who earn over 200 grand can't make a regular Roth contribution. And if you can and you make less than that, you're limited to what, seven grand a year? Yeah. Like you can convert as much as you want regardless of how much income you make. So if you're talking about this as a significant usable strategy this is the best way to do it but to your point jeff you know the 40 or 45 year old we're not making a roth conversion for access five or ten years at least hopefully not right the idea is we're creating a tax-free bucket for you in retirement so that maybe that five-year rule doesn't necessarily i mean it applies it's important to know but like you're you're trying to kind of avoid it it applies because your contributions are only always, always accessible yep. you can you don't have to wait till 59 and a half to get your contributions correct so you'd have to do some accounting if you thought at some point you wanted to use some of that money which we wouldn't advise you to we'd advise you to let it go right um yes yeah i just i think creating every young person i've talked to about who's making like just traditional 401k contributions and I've said, like, just do up to what they match and then start thinking about 
making Roth contributions or after-tax money into a joint account with your partner, like that kind of stuff. And that always strikes a chord with all of them. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that makes sense to have different tax buckets of money instead of just one tax bucket of money. Okay, so I think under we kind of talked through the logistics of it. Why this article specifically wants to highlight why it makes sense to do now when asset prices are down. So is my math correct? Like, let's say I have a hundred grand in an IRA. It's now worth eighty grand, and I was going to convert ten thousand in January, but now I have less money. If I still make that ten thousand dollar conversion now. I'm buying more stuff at a lower price. You don't even have to buy more stuff. You can convert it in kind. So you can literally just move whatever you have over most, most cases. Yeah. Um, and so, but the, the idea is that if you assume that we're down say 20% and there's going to be a you know growth over time, that's going to, um, the Roth is certainly advantageous because that growth from that point on, while, while both are tax deferred, the Roth is the only one in which you, you, you have 100% of the proceeds when you take it out, as opposed to the IRS right. getting their cut. Yeah. All right. That's, that's all it is. Um, like, just it's essentially like get it in the vehicle that removes it from IRS. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, you're paying the tax now, but in the future, it's presumably going to be worth far, far more. Um, well, actually, look, look at it this way. If they're both growing at the same rate over the next 20 years or 25 years, the Roth is ideally, Mm -hmm. like in every case, going to be better because you've paid the taxes up front and all of that growth is yours and none of it's the IRS. The biggest argument that people have, rebuttal that they have to that is, yeah, but I converted 10 grand. It cost me 2,000 in tax. That 2,000 could have grown tax deferred in my traditional IRA for that same amount of time. So I'd have way more money. That's what everyone, that's like their first rebuttal, which I think is complete horrshit. <laughs> like, Why? What, what, you may have, it? you may have more money, but it's all taxable. Right. You may ultimately have a higher dollar account amount. value, right? right? But if you have a million two versus a million, your million two net of tax right. is worth less. Exactly. It's worth less. Right. It just, it just is. And they can't seem to get over that. Right. And then and then obviously the other element which we which is kind of the, the, the thing that's talked about a lot is like if you if you happen to be in a lower uh, earning year personally, yeah. you're gonna your your income tax um, liability is, is less than maybe it normally would be or you expect it to be in the future, then that's that's a, even a bonus there. Another reason to do it. Um in any year, regardless of what the market's doing, right? Is, yeah. is take advantage of paying um, relatively lower taxes on that conversion than you otherwise would. Yeah, I just had a conversation with a client who's in between jobs right now. So theoretically, he's going to earn less this year than he had last year, and that when he picks up a new job, he will next year. So it was like, market's down even better, but this would be something we should consider, like you just said, Mike, regardless, because there's just going to be lower income for the family. Yeah, it's like ripping the Band-Aid off now, mm-hmm. tax-wise, versus yeah. like breaking the cast later, which is, yeah. you know, just more painful. If you can't wrap your brain around like the Roth conversion because you can't get yourself over paying the tax now, 
then just start making Roth 401k contributions. It's 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 far less painful. Yeah. Right. Because you don't like you're going to get more. You're going to have more income reported, but you you barely feel it. Like you yeah. barely feel it. And then I guess the other element of it is, you know, people have varying amounts of after tax savings or cash or investments yeah. anyway. Some people have none um, and some people have plenty. And that's a that's a big factor, too. Like if you have the cash already, already like allocated to pay the tax, then then it's a win. Yeah. Right? And, Good article. So we're pro Roth conversions. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Moving on to golf. We're going to talk it's about. first time we talked about golf, I think, isn't it? I think it is. Like willingly. This article is from CNBC.com. It's written by Mike Calia. It's, and the article is titled, PGA Tour Suspends 17 Golfers, Including Phil Mickelson, for pay, Playing in the Saudi-Backed Live Event. So this is basically, I thought, a pretty good summary of some of the controversy that's occurring in the golf world right now, having to do with um, Live Golf, um, which is a Saudi-backed league, for lack of yep, a better yep. word, that recently started and has enticed prominent PGA players um, away from the PGA Tour to play in these live golf events with lots and lots and lots of money. So there's controversy around, um, I think, from golf purists, um, what this means for the PGA and the league that they've loved for, for a long time, and then what this means for golf kind of moving forward. Really Do you guys know helpful. what LIV uh, stands for? No. No. Fun fact. I'm going to give it to you. So LIV is, it stands for the Roman numeral for 54, which is um, if you birdie every hole on a 72, um, the 72 uh, par, then you shot a 54. And also... Their events are fifty-four holes, not seven. Or yeah, so it's three days, not four. Yeah. So you're okay. playing a total of fifty-four holes, not se not seventy-two. Is that, is that right? Did I say that right? So that's yeah. kind of the the meaning behind it. I like it even more now. Yeah. yeah. Less golf. <laughs> I like it even well, more. Well, I I think that's part of the idea is try to entice maybe people who found the sport generally like spectating the sport boring. They're trying to liven it up, and I don't think that has anything to do with live. But <clears throat> and I believe it's a shotgun format. Everybody yes. goes off at the same time, yes. as opposed to the whole like awesome, right? If if we ignore like the Saudi aspect of it, right? I think it's awesome. I think it, like having competition is good. I mean, it hasn't worked in the NFL, right? Like other leagues have tried to become sure. established and they fail. If this can create competition for the for the PGA. I think it's cool. I'm sure golf purists don't. Yeah. There was one thing I just didn't understand. I should have done the research into it. Like Phil Mickelson's comment where he said this is a life, like a, a once in a lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. I didn't know what he meant by that. So obviously there's some players have some beef with the PGA and I just don't know what that beef is. Yeah, I don't know. It might have to just do with the, uh, the guaranteed money aspect mm -hmm. of the events because in the PGA Tour, you can walk away with a goose egg and have to pay your own travel and uh, hotel and all that, and you're you're down. And there's no compensation for finishing below a certain cut. Um, 
whereas here i think the 120 grand might be like the, the the floor for someone participating in the event so you know that you're making that at a minimum mm-hmm. and the the money for winning is much higher as well so i think for the, the young golfers or the older golfers that's an awesome alternative right like the young kids who are like spending all this money to be on the tour and not winning to be able to go somewhere else and make a few bucks and for the seniors that maybe aren't as competitive to go there and, and make a few bucks i saw a comment but i don't i don't know the dude's name i've never heard of him but he just signed on and he's like i've been plugging away for 20 years he's never this guy's never won a major he's yeah. he's, he's made some money obviously but he's he's not like dj or any of these guys right and he's like, I, I mean, this is a no-brainer for me. Like, I, I, there's no no way I can say no to this. And I get it. Yeah. I get it, right? Yeah, I think uh, ignoring the Saudi element of it, which is the the biggest issue, right? Sure. It's that the the money, presumably that we're talking about, which is staggering in dollar amounts, is coming from a government that has human rights violations over and over and over again. Um, the term sports whitewashing has I've I read like one other article on it and it's essentially and I didn't know this was even a, f- a thing but governments countries attempting to um, like launder money no attempting to improve their kind of tarnished reputation okay. through sport and the article I read was like well why did we host the Olympics in Beijing right why are there right other events that have occurred in various Middle Eastern countries that also have very, like why is there so much more scrutiny on this compared to events like this that have been happening for years? And I think a lot of it comes back to what people deem the purity of golf and just the old heads who love the PGA Tour and what it is and the idea of changing it is really... It's unappealing to them. To like, say the I least. love America, but to think that the United States has like an unblemished past, sure, is kind or of like, current, or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, is is yeah. kind of ignorant. So, and we host a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. It, I mean, I think it's very interesting. Um, what I found, and it's probably not funny, but like when all of this started to come out, um, some of the golf media, in particular, was like using their um it was before the u.s open i guess and just like the media coverage where the golfers sit there and answer questions to the people at that point who had already defected um like would you play golf for vladimir putin like just making it like so dramatic and again i'm not diminishing what saudi arabia has done or or continues to do I, i don't mean but like to think that dustin johnson's sitting there being like overthinking that element of it. Like, here's $125 million. That's about as far as he thought. Right, exactly. And that's as far as anyone would. And anyone who says otherwise, except for Tiger Woods, who has more money than God, like, you're lying. I mean, so, you know, Russia has a um, a professional, maybe more than one, hockey league, which um, lots of pro players end up going over there and playing for a couple of years because they're no longer able to play in the NHL, um, but there's bags and bags of money over there to do it. So yeah. it's incredibly appealing to do that before you, you wrap up your career. And you know it's the same thing. You would say, oh, you're, how can you possibly go and play? It's like, 
I'm not I'm not playing for Putin's team. Right. I mean, maybe right. indirectly you are, but yeah, <laughs> I, it's like it's the same thing. It's like when when that much money is in front of you, you I, I don't think it's fair to just like say, well, how can you possibly do that because it's connected to all this, you know, evil. Right. It's the WNBA. The women yeah. get paid nothing here. They all go to Europe and Eastern Europe, Russia to play and get paid. And that's their livelihood. Right. That's what I like about it. Yeah. There's another platform for other people to make money that yeah. maybe aren't going to make as much money here. Yeah. They do. Their entire lives has been playing golf and wanting to do it professionally to make a living. This is a way they can make a living from it. Good, good, good for them. And I just, I don't like when like an organization gets like so high and mighty. Like I read their like, their memo their memos, to, the, yeah. to, to their members. It's like, oh God, like stop. That's the problem with golf though. That high and mighty hoity-toity nose up is why people hate it. So like this is going to be, I think, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards it because they're attempting to um, maybe improve that type of you know, reputation for the sport. Right. Here's, and I just think it's more than just the, the money too. They're, they're looking at the format of how golf tournaments are run. Snooze. And they're saying, Hey, we can do this better and yeah. more entertaining. And, yeah. and, and that, that's important too. Yeah. I love how they listed all the players at the bottom of the memo. Like mm-hmm. that, right. like that kind of stuff. It's like, just stop. You're a very successful organization. Stop. Be- like that memo just shows us how afraid of competition you are. You're going to be fine. You're going to exist. Let them go. I read this other blog on it, and this it's funny. The PGA Tour has responded critically to our new to the new tour and players who defected by banning them from playing both tours. It is still unclear if the live players will be allowed to accrue points in the official world golf rankings as well and play in, as well as play in major championships. Regardless, I'm sure the defectors are extremely distraught and will wipe their tears with the cases of hundred dollar bills. <laughs> and then it has this gift. that's great (laughs) all right on to sports betting this was just staggering to me so this is a um a chart it was from is this scott galloway yeah he does this like chart of the week but it was i mean it was brought to us by one of our yes oh i forgot yes one of our listeners (laughs) our loyal listeners (laughs) loyal listeners suggested that we uh we talk about it um the the title of scott's i guess video is titled the the betting boom and he basically just talks about the change um in the volume of legal sports bet sports bets over the last um what do we have three years Um, so in june of 2018 there were 310 million dollars worth of sports bets retail sports bets retail sports that bets. means legal bets at like the turf club or at like vegas or places where gambling was legal correct? right so a hundred percent of them occurred in those venues yep. and a retail venue correct what was the number again? Three hundred and ten million. Million over in, in one year. So then October of twenty twenty one, the number of legal sports bets is now seven point one billion, sixteen percent of which occurred in the legal capacity that we just referenced, eighty four percent of which occurred online. It's crazy. I mean, insane. 
Yeah, but <laughs> I would say that all the, the all they did in 2018 was they um, they they shot down an existing law, and the result of which was that every state was allowed to make its own determination as to whether sports betting would be legal or not. And a bunch of states jumped on right away. And it's the same thing with weed, in my opinion, where you could say, oh, look at those weed sales. All all happened was a lot of existing business just went from illegal to legal, right? So I don't think it created this huge group of, you know, young people who all of a sudden started betting. I mean, there's some of that, sure, but I think it was a lot of the activity was already happening in either offshore um, uh, venues or bookies or whatever it was, and it just transitioned to to this platform. That's we, my. We would my never view. be able to prove that, but I I disagree with you a hundred percent. I disagree too. I feel like it's the apps. I think that's why. Like, yeah. there's no way that we went from three hundred and ten million yeah. to seven billion, and that difference is represented by illegal betting because i never bet and now i do not like a lot and now you're a gambler but now i'm a gambler (laughs) like i use the app and i know a lot of people that didn't make bookie bets that now bet because it's so easy and it's so much fun and you don't have to do like a hundred you can do a five dollar bet yeah and i think there's a lot of that that has driven that would you say the same about um weed consumption i would say no to that i don't like because i don't think like weed being legal it's now like the 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 person was like oh now i want to smoke pot i just don't think that's happening but why is it different in gambling because the marketing is so effective and they Um, got people like you to like download the app and start you know weed is different i mean you're putting something into your body to alter your your state of mind um so i I just don't think that if, if that's not the kind of person you are that's not the kind of person you are if you're if you're watching the Super Bowl, and you're like the Karen at like 42 years old in your in your house, and like your girlfriend's like, oh, let's put like ten dollars on like the winner, like yeah, I think I think a lot of that's gonna happen because it's easy and it and it, it can make it quote unquote fun and it's not dangerous and it doesn't. So you do your Super Bowl squares every year. Like if there was an app for that, would you just like transition it to the app and have That's everybody do that? a great idea. <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I think weed, I do think legalizing it made more people willing to try it. I don't know that it made people weed smokers. Agreed. I think, okay. and it's, and then you add like edibles and, and like the, the pens now. Right. I think people are far more willing to try it. I'll try an edible, but then it's not going to be like built into their normal routine. Right, right. But I think with this, to your point, Jeff, exactly. It's like, and there's, there's a sporting event every day, multiple times a day that you can bet on. I mean, the most obscure things. My brother was betting on like the South Korean Baseball League during COVID. Like it's an it's an awesome league. The competition is fantastic. <laughs> but I mean, I just think the prevalence of sports makes the, is why this these numbers are as staggering as they are. Because with the, your phone, you're able to bet five dollars on a bowling tournament if you wanted to. So the COVID piece of it was really interesting timing wise because in 2018 this was all sort of unleashed, or and then within two years you have sports shut down and yeah. um, obviously that that was a probably a six or eight month hiatus for the most part. But um, 
it really hurt a lot of the and and by the way we've all seen how, how many apps are, are there out there there's yeah. tons of, yeah. of competition this is what happens with it's the same thing that happened in the weed business it was like everybody was going to get into it and companies were launched and most of them fail yeah same thing with this i'll give you a fun fact draft kings love draft does about a billion and a half in revenue okay. in a year they spend three billion so they lose a billion and a half dollars right wow. now that's what they're doing like currently um and it's like only getting worse <laughs> yeah and their bet is that they're going to just give out give out continue to advertise and promote and get people hooked, and then get people hooked exactly and that's going to eventually turn around i don't know if i i don't know if i see that happening i mean because there's the competition is intense um it's not easy to make money if you're one of these platforms because look at, I mean, sure. that's a perfect example. They're probably the, if one of the top platforms out there, but can't I mean, they just buy BetMGM and they Caesars are, that's what they're, that's what they're, they're all just doing. Acquire. Yeah. Just acquire. And then you have all these users and then you do become profitable. That's the bet. But I don't know if I would take that bet. I mean, I bet that <laughs> online gambling is here to stay and you're saying it, it won't be. I'm just saying, I don't know how, great of an investment the companies will be there's a you're right there's a lot of there's a lot of examples of products or, or things that are phenomenally fun or useful or whatever that are not good businesses i think once the, the established ones are established i mean betting is super profitable right they know i mean the book the the um what are they called vegas the odds the odds makers know how to place lines and when when the money starts coming in adjust lines so that they make their vig and there's a they always make a profit mm -hmm. so i think that model is built for success you just have to stop like having joel and b i'm thinking of hulu because yeah. um, <laughs> they're spending too much money on advertising <laughs> but once they get past the advertising and the promotion and they're established and they've acquired everyone i mean it's it's a money maker Maybe. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know if I'm convinced there. I'm maybe a little bit more bullish than you, Mike. I personally just don't find it appealing. So I think it's harder for me to like, like I could do without it. If nobody ever talked about the bets they made over the weekend, I'd be, I'd be cool. <laughs> I only talk it about, was, the, I only talk about my winners, Meg. No, well, I mean, I ask about your losers. It's my favorite thing to know about you. I also just think that when you have this land grab, it's unbelievably hard to pick who's the ultimate winner. So if you're like looking at investment, you have Barstool and all those things. Sure. If you're trying to figure out who's going to win, that's a that's that's a, that's a very difficult task. Yeah. In any in any industry. But I the, like the internet, like how that changed it is just so amazing to me that all of that money came in legally. And obviously the market was there. I mean, we knew the market was there, but I think it just opened it up to, to people like me. I did. I never bet in my life. I never had any desire to. I don't like losing money. Uh, but being able to like make a $5 bet or a $20 bet on a game. What's your uh, track record, would you say? I'm probably like 60-40. I'm to the good, but not by like a ton. <laughs> right. Not by a ton. Um, I'm probably being a little humble. There, <laughs> you can make it fun too. I mean, you'll see some people with these ridiculous parlays that like, you know, three different 
completely different like leagues. Three things have to happen. Somebody bet on the Warriors, the Rams, and who won the I don't think it was the Stanley Cup. I don't think it was the Avalanche. Who won the um Braves, Maj- Braves right. last year. I think they bet on all three of those teams winning like the championship. $60 million. Yeah, like, I, I, that's cool. I mean, even from just a strictly entertainment standpoint, it's like anybody who even thinks to do that, I'm like, good for you. <laughs> but, I mean, the other thing is, you know, part of what the, like, DraftKings and others do, too, they have a whole, the whole fantasy um, mm-hmm. segment, right? And that's been popular for a long time. It's got to be profitable. Yeah, um, I'm shocked just, by your. It's just your amazing that how much money they they have to spend to acquire customers at this stage, and I guess it just comes back to the competition. But it's uh, it's it's incredible how much cash they're burning. I, I'm 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 blown away by that because it's if I mean the model sounds like it makes a ton of sense. Like offer someone a twenty dollar free bet, risk free bet, and you're going to get more than a twenty dollar bet from them. Mm-hmm. I would imagine there's more people that are going to place a few more bets in addition to that than people that just take the 20 and that's all they do. Yeah. So I'm blown away that they're burning that much cash. And I would imagine that's going to change. But I did that. I opened an account on uh, Dude, Sugar are- House something or other. It got like 200 <laughs> bucks. And You're I, the worst example. And I, <laughs> and I put a couple of like Stanley Cup futures bets in 25 bucks each and I never put any of my own money you, in. Yeah. I mean you're the worst example cuz you're the guy <laughs> you're the exact person that wouldn't bet any more than they gave you for free. Yeah, true. What I, the other point I was going to make was just how cool they've made it from the standpoint of the prop bets are easy to make in in any sport and then also being able to bet a game in game. Yeah. Right? Like you have your odds when a game starts and traditionally that was the only time you could place a bet. Once the game's on, it's it's over. Yeah. But being able to place a bet in game is kind of cool too. Yay betting! <laughs> All right, want to do the top five? Let's do it. Top five things you used to love, but no longer love. And X's don't count, right? <laughs> <laughs> just wanna, I mean, want to clarify? <laughs> yeah. I would say they don't count. Okay. Yeah. I'll start because okay. mine suck. I used to love the Bulls during the Michael Jordan era. And I would say I used to love Michael Jordan. I'm not as much of a fan. I wouldn't say I love the Bulls and Michael Jordan anymore. Is that one? That's one. Okay. Yeah. My other duel, which is one, <laughs> like now and laters and Laffy Taffies, dude, I mean, I love them. And now like the thought of that stuff sticking in my teeth, like don't love them. Mm-hmm. Rides. Mm-hmm. Used to love like roller coasters, spinny rides. I mean, I want I'm nothing to do with them. Fantasy football, <laughs> to your mention earlier. Used to love it, and you I just don't, don't anymore. I don't love it. No, like I play I'm it. Surprised to hear you say that. I play it. I don't love it. Like when I say I love it, like when in the old days, like when a guy scored a touchdown. Like, you didn't have it on your phone. Like, you ran upstairs to the computer to see if your score updated, and it took, like, forever for it to update. Um, used to love it. Don't love it anymore. And lastly, um, nightclubs. Like, used to that's love... A good one. That's a really good one. Used to love a, a nightclub, and now if I'm there, I'm like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> so cringy. Yeah, and I got to get out of here one. right now. Those were good, Jeff. Yeah. I didn't think they were that good, but thank you. Right, I'll go, because Meg's... Are, you're gonna, mine are bad, too. Um, All right, well... 
really setting me up here, guys. I got uh, I got bike riding. I used to love riding like, when I was younger. Just ride yeah. bikes for miles and miles, hours. I loved it. Hate riding a bike, <laughs> like a BMX or like any a, like a ten speed. Oh, I would, it was a multi speed bike. Okay. Candy in general. Yeah. Okay. Um, can't stand it really generally. Really? Maybe a Reese's cup or <sighs> something really like yeah. only one or two. Everything else you can have. And I used to love candy. Like all of it. Pretty much all of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Olympics. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Although I still love them. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've gone 180 on that in general. Um, for sure. And... This one is is going to probably annoy a couple of our listeners, but um, some of the classic, I'll say, 80s-rooted bands, like the U2s and the Polices of the world, wow, you're a... kind of took a, not a full 180, but pretty but close. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah, you offended a lot of people right now. Yeah. <laughs> and the vast then, majority and of our number, number one, there's no surprise at all, but baseball, because I was such a... I didn't I mean, know that about you. Huge baseball guy, like in little league years, and I mean, I have millions of baseball cards, cards yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I watched every f- inning of every Phillies game. It's I could. crazy, and I am totally the opposite. Wow, yeah, so that's drastic. <laughs> it is <laughs> okay. Um, I have similar like uh, crowds. Like if I'm going somewhere where there's going to be crowds, I'm, I'll stay home. <laughs> I'm cool. Yeah, you got old. Yeah. Um, Ice cream. Really? Yeah. Mostly because I, I my body just doesn't accept it anymore. <laughs> I used to love it, though. Uh, driving. Like, I was always up to be the one to drive. Yeah. Everyone get in my car. I will drive. And now we can take my car, but please, somebody else <laughs> do so the driving. Old. These yeah. are very old responses. Um, cheap flights. Like, I used to be so inclined, like, oh, this is 100 bucks. I'll lay over in four different airports. I'm cool with it (laughs) because I'll get to where I'm going. And now I don't care what the price is. I'm flying direct. I want the times (laughs) to be ideal to my schedule. Uh, And then Ben Simmons. Uh, I knew it. I knew that was your number one. I knew it was your number one. I told Christian I was using it, and he was like, just say Ben Simmons five times. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Till next time. See ya.